Welcome back to Tiff Talks Podcast. This is your host, Tiffany Marie Davis. I am so excited today. I have an amazing friend of mine who is, you know, just a phenomenal woman in so many areas of her life. I am so excited for her to share her story with you. And really, you know, the topic we're going to be speaking about is we're going to be revisiting childhood, hearing her story, how she was able to become so successful in her day to day. And remember, guys, successful doesn't always just mean money. Successful means you can have a positive mindset and just create an environment around you with just amazing people. And what I'm really excited for her to share about is how she's chosen her circle very wisely, how she's been able to be a successful now mother and entrepreneur. And she's been doing so amazing with breath work and what she's here to do. She has a very big mission in serving others. So I'm really excited to bring on Alana Luff. Welcome to Tiff Talks, girl. How are you? Hi, thank you. Very good. How are you? Amazing, amazing. Well, I'm excited. I want you to share with everyone just a little bit about your background because when you told me your story, man, did it bring tears to my eyes? I just, this woman is beautiful. I can't wait for you guys to see her. She's just beautiful from the inside out, but she has a very powerful story. So please share with everyone your back end story. My name is Alona, and um, I'm a prenatal and postnatal corrective exercise specialist here in Las Vegas, as well as personal transformation coach. And I am a mom to this wonderful, almost uh, 20 months old boy, Daniel. And I'm originally um, from Ukraine. So I've come um, a long journey to be speaking here fluently in English because I came here in 2012 uh, with with just a goal to stay here for the summer and um, I just fell in love with the country. I fell in love with the opportunities and amazing people here and the mentality and just left my whole life behind there just for the chance of um, changing my family tree of uh, for the chance of having a better future for my future family. And who knew, you know, it could have not worked out and I could have just go back, but who knew I'm here and uh, I'm, I'm now uh, successfully, I've now successfully built a life here, and I've been here for almost what ten years. So it's been um, it's been a, an amazing journey. I love that you guys. This woman has totally overcome. It sounds like from her her language as well. Were you fluent? uh then and was it hard for or did you know a little bit of English coming over well I started learning English when I was in the fifth grade and you know on that level we are taught by school teachers that learned English from the book so most of them never actually even talked to native speakers so when I first got here it was in Texas I could barely understand um the accent because everything they were teaching us at school, it was in Ukrainian English accent, you know, as a lot of your listeners, probably the ones that are not from United States can relate whenever you get to United States, you're like, whoa, okay, a slang, okay, what's that? So it's totally different when you actually hear. Yeah, so what actually brought you to Las Vegas? So I originally was uh, actually in San Antonio. That was where my contract was for three months. It was a program for students called Work and Travel. And um, I met a friend 
the only person I actually knew in Las Vegas that played a big role um, in uh, me staying because he actually helped me to learn the culture. He helped me to learn how the things work, even like driver license, even like DMV, we don't have that in Ukraine, you know? So um, when I decided to stay, I had a choice between San Antonio, Texas or Las Vegas. And um, I chose Las Vegas because it was close to California and I loved it here. And coming over, you know, you and I have spoken quite a bit about personal development, what you've been able to do to overcome. Are you open to sharing with everyone, you know, the environment? Sure. Absolutely. How yeah. you were able to overcome that and how you were able to apply it in your day-to-day now and what led you to who you are now and how you, in a sense, mentor others through that space. Absolutely. Well, I don't know where do I start. Uh, I think for me, the biggest thing was that I've always been, I always knew there was more to life. I always, I left my home when I was about 15 years old. I started living on the other side of town because I'm from Kriwe Rog, which is the longest city in Europe. It's not the largest, it's just really long city. So if I live here, in order for me to get to my college, it will take me, what, an hour and a half. So instead of driving one way back and forth, t- taking three buses, I just started living in the dorm house and going to college when I was 15. And then after three years of that, I decided to leave my city and um, um, I became a student of a university in Kiev in the capital of Ukraine. And um, I studied psychology for two years. Um, I came here and only to realize that you take home with you everywhere you go. And all this journey of me going and trying to self-develop because I don't get me wrong I love self-development I'm sure you've done a lot I know that so many people are just fascinated by that but I now looking back I think for a lot of us that journey of self-development comes with a little caveat and a little maybe that subconscious belief that there is something that we need to change about us. There's something that needs to be healed, right? And all those layers, personal development, all those seminars, all those books uh, transformed over time, led me all the way here, led me to uh, become a coach myself um, and to help other amazing women that are looking for transformation. And that's why I like fitness coaching because most of it actually happens in your mind, You, you know it better than anyone else and it only led me to realize after having my baby after having my uh, beautiful son Daniel that there is deep work that needs to be done and when I realized that whoa when I really thought oh my god I've done all this amazing work and uh, all these journeys with plant medicine and just uh, deep fundamental work with with my own shadows, my my own um, past. And then when I had Daniel, when I became a mom, when I had no circle, no supportive circle around me, not because I did have help, don't get me wrong, but I didn't have my family. And I was actually forced to look at what what I actually have been suppressing to look at. So I believe that every, Every relationship is also an opportunity for expansion 
because it's just like a magnifying glass on what we suck at, right? What we need to transform and what we can get better at. And as long as we keep viewing that, there is a, a huge room for growth. I'm glad that you brought that up because it sounds like you did a lot of work after Daniel was it here. Just, yeah, it just... So- motherhood, like when you get pregnant, a lot of emotions are coming up, you know, emotions that you never experienced before. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as adults, and as we grow up, we always have these emotions that are identified as anger or joy, or there's triggers that come with these emotions, right? And 9.9 out of 10, (laughs) it usually stems from childhood. And they start resurfacing because like you had said, we suppress them or we've been running away from them unsubconsciously, you know, and and that's where what I'm noticing because I am pregnant is that these things are coming up and Mm -hmm. as they're coming up, there's a sense of anxiety. There's a sense of, you know, I have a lot of support at home when it comes to, you know, my husband, my close, close circle. You didn't have that though. And that for me is like very inspiring because you were able to identify, even though it was after, uh, you were still strong and you've overcome. And when you and I have talked about this, you have said that, you know, your biggest mission is to be able to share with other women and mothers to be that if you could start working on it now, prior to that baby being born, you're going to save a lot of emotional distress down the road. Is that what I hear you say? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Because here's the thing, uh, from, from what we know scientifically, 90% up to 90% of how we operate, how we behave, how we feel is on subconscious level which means whatever the self-development work we're doing is only addressing all those little things. And whenever something comes up, everything comes up to be healed, right? And if we can feel it, we can heal it. And a lot of times we are not willing to feel that grief. We're not feeling over the childhood we didn't have. Even for people that did not have adverse childhood experiences, Uh, and grew up in really healthy homes, there is still a lot of things that could be potentially suppressed. And especially for those people that did not have any trauma, big T trauma, right? Because there's little T, big T trauma. Uh, If there was no uh, big T trauma, there's still, we still carry those shadows from our parents that Um, And it's not to shame anybody. It's not to, because we always do the best at the level of awareness where we add, right? And now, especially it's such a different generation that was back then. So I know my parents did the best they could. They were also in a survival mode. I guess where I'm going with that is if we, we as mothers, mostly are primary caretakers of our children, right? Most of the time it's mothers, most of, or sometimes it's maybe grandmothers, but um, most of the time we spend the majority of time with babies. And what we know scientifically, and we didn't know that 50 years ago, right? All those first years, especially from zero to seven, those are the most fundamental years of a child development because Um, their nervous system gets, their undeveloped brain um, learns everything from modeling 
and from it kind of like absorbs everything around us. So if we are treated with neglect, if we are, if something happens and to our parents, it can be just as our parents are just not emotionally available. It doesn't have to be even anything big, uh, like a loss of a parent, like it happened to me or a severe addiction of one of your parents. It can be as simple as emotional and available mother because let's say her mother died or I don't know, her mother is sick and going through something. It's just mother is not, or your caretakers are not able to be there uh, for you and your needs. What do we know as, uh, what do we learn as children then? Well, as um, Gabor Mate, I really like this guy. He's a Canadian researcher and a very good person to learn um, about childhood trauma and how it affects us. Uh, he says that humans have this vital drive for authenticity and attachment. So whenever we're being our authentic selves, if us being authentic selves threatens attachment, we shut down because attachment is wired in us. Our survival deeply depends on our parents. So, you, and whenever something bad happens to us as children, when we're being mistreated, abused, or just neglected, we internalize it as we have a choice in that moment. Our little brains and the developed brains have a choice to make. They cannot make the choice that, hey, my, we don't have the capacity, mental capacity to rationalize and be like, well, my dad is just not a good person if he just beat me up or, you know, my, my mom is not a good person if she calls me names, right? What do we do? We internalize it as, oh, I must be not good enough. There's something wrong with me. And then we develop this deep subconscious, deeply rooted beliefs that are really, um, that it's a journey to even identify them and then uh, work with. That's why all that self-development stuff is only working that's a uh, conscious brain, which is what, about 10%? And all of that from our earliest years is deeply rooted in our subconscious. And if we don't dig deep, we can never get to the cause of that anger, like you said, the cause of that frustration. Because I did deal with a big postpartum, what I thought, now I'm looking back, I don't think it actually was a postpartum. I mean, sure, maybe it was a postpartum depression, but I think it was just, my soul was just waking up, plus everything on a physiological level wasn't taken care of. I wasn't getting enough sleep. So all of, um, all of those shadows that, I, that have been stored and I had no idea just came up. And also me realizing that that was the first time I looked at so deeply, I'm getting a little bit emotional here because this is like me publicly saying that. And I'm actually working on it because the journey just started for me is uh, that realizing that I never processed death of my own mother. I never processed not having parents. I never processed having abuse in my life, physical abuse, verbal, mental, emotional. And it's just, Again, it's realizing those things when you are becoming a mother, you know, and you're supposed to be there for your baby. You're supposed to, and you want to, and you are, but it's just 
so much of that comes up and can you hold that for yourself? Can your partner hold that for you? Can your circle hold that for you if something comes up? And a lot of it, I know there's a lot of moms probably out there listening that also might not have had um, their mothers to support them or might have difficult relationship with them. So it just being, I guess, my biggest inspiration here is that that work was coming up for me and I just kept, that actually came up in um, during one of my uh, plant medicine journeys uh, when I set the intention that, hey, I want to heal what I need to heal. And here I am sitting thinking, oh, I'm just going to, because I used to say that, oh, I just never had mom. My mom died when I was four and period, you will never see me get emotional like I just did right now. I was just like so, just so numb and so suppressed, right? And it kept coming up uh, to me before I even was pregnant, actually right before I get, got pregnant, that, hey, something is there. There's something you need to look at. And I just, I just thought, well, what's there to do? You know, she died when I was four and I think I'm over it. I just never had, I can't miss something I never had. And then I give birth to my son and I am like holding him and I'm first time saying like, mama, come to mama. And it took me a few months to even get used to saying the word mama because it was removed from my vocabulary for 23 years of my life. I never used it that often. So that was like, it's a, it was a lot, you know, That's and I, what's up? That's very powerful. You don't really think about that, you know, from someone who hasn't, it's just like you said, it's second nature and you never mourned your mother. You didn't grieve your mother. And I think a lot of us can relate who have had similar stories. You know, I, I had a, a amazing single mother. However, she was also working a lot and, you know, going through that motion and in the sense, I kind of raised myself growing up. And the cool part about, and just kind of to look at the positive of what you're telling me is that you took a moment to stop and, and realize that after birth with Daniel, you, you, you realize that there was, there was a an, an pain that needed to be addressed that you didn't even know mm-hmm. that even existed because of Daniel, that you're like, how could my baby ever go on without me after four? Like that thought, I'm sure, like crossed your mind. And sometimes we're put in these situations and in a way, because you are going to be stronger and overcome this. And you're going to teach a lot of people what to do and how to do this in a more efficient way. But you went through a very long process of, you know, traumatic abuse, verbal abuse, it sounds like, and things that you have shared with me. And I'm just such an awe of the woman that you are today. So I definitely want to acknowledge you for that because it takes a lot of strength to, you know, identify the pain through emotions. And that's just something that as women, we, we wear so many hats and especially we're caring for a life right? We're warriors. We're giving birth. We're now responsible for this life. And now we're in a situation where you get to look at this and say, okay, I get to pause because it's not about me, just me anymore. And when you're going through these things, what I, what I've noticed, and just because I've had the coaching, I know that it took you time to develop that. For example, when I notice that these triggers are coming up because they're triggers, 
right? They're something that have stemmed from childhood. It's suppressed. We didn't even know it existed. And all of a sudden it comes out, right? Mm-hmm. And then we're, we're in a sense taught to not have emotion because yeah. we were, we're self-soothers. So I really relate to you in so many ways with that. But asking yourself these questions, like, why am I feeling this way? What's actually happening? That's one thing that I'm taking away from what you're explaining to me right now. What is this feeling? And then you're going into, okay, now I know where it's coming from. I need to address it. And that's powerful because that is something that is so hard to do to actually just stop for like 0.5 seconds and say, why am I feeling like this? Because in that nanosecond, you can catch it and figure out what you need to address. And the only way you're going to be able to move on and give yourself what you need is to address it. So that's really powerful that you shared that because you did it by yourself. I wouldn't say I did it by myself, actually. That's actually another huge point I want to emphasize is that I realized that was four months postpartum. That's when it really started for me because you know that sleep deprivation, I was I was not able to take naps during the day. Uh, I only slept those every hour and a half, right? I was woken up. So I never got that deep REM sleep that affects uh, your nervous system. And what I, uh, what I realized is that, hey, a lot of stuff, I didn't name it then. I didn't know what it was. I didn't even call myself that I had a childhood trauma. I knew I never even let let's let's just make it clear. I had no idea with growing up with a dad that had severe um, drug addiction, mom that died when I was four, emotionally unavail- unavailable uh, parents, right? Uh, caretakers that uh, did their best. I'm so grateful for everything they've done, and it just shows to show that hey. I lived all my life and I normalized it for myself, right? So now only from learning from my therapist, learning about childhood trauma, I'm like, that's what it is. Those things actually why I'm why I'm naming them is because they're not normal childhood experiences. And I carried it all my life and I would put myself in the same bracket as everybody else. And I'm like, why am I feeling this way? Why am I, why are those things coming up? And when I actually started realizing hey, all the work I've done, all the tools I have, I'm not able to help myself here. I'm not able to see beyond what I see. And that that was very humbling because I studied psychology, right? But every coach has a coach. Every psychologist, every therapist has a therapist, right? So I was like, you know what? It's time. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, it's time. And it took me few good um few good months to actually find a person that um because my first therapist I went to I was I was like basically showing her uh I I was like hey I'm here to do the work I'm not here to you to pull anything out of me here's what comes up a lot of childhood stuff comes up I don't understand why I'm like I have everything in my life that I ever wanted I have this beautiful baby everybody's healthy everybody's happy what's going on with me why this stuff coming up from my childhood why I start seeing myself reacting in uh, certain ways that remind me of my caretakers that I've never, that I haven't lived with for over than 15 years, not 15, what about 13 years? And I'm like, what is going on? And she, she was like, no, you know, it just, it just nothing. I was basically giving her 
so many hints about myself and she's like oh it's nothing you just gotta learn to ride this emotion when you're mother and this and that and and I was like no I I spent there for about three months and the most important point here is that first let's normalize getting help because we don't just need help when it's raining. We don't fix the house when it's raining in the middle of the storm. We go and fix the house when we first start seeing little holes in our ceiling or if there is something needs our attention, right? The same thing with relationship, the same thing with our therapy. We start noticing that, hey, I don't recognize myself. I can't control certain things or I don't know where it's coming from. There's nothing wrong with getting a good professional help that will only speed up that process of recovery and actually will empower you to get to know yourself because this whole life journey is about getting to know ourselves and who we truly are and remembering who we are at our core. Well, I love that. Thank you for being transparent because I think that's something that everybody needs to hear is, you know, we're, we don't really do this alone. We somehow discover, okay, there's something going on and I can't do it for myself. I need support. I need, so thank you for sharing that. Now I want to switch gears a little bit. You've, you've gone into what you were identifying as, okay, triggers, emotional trauma. You now have the baby going through postpartum, your, your childhood, like that to me is so inspiring to see you overcome and conquer. And you're 29 years old. That for that is beautiful that you're doing this now because now you get to pour into others and teach others through, like you said, you love fitness, you love to inspire, but now there's a huge mental component that goes with this. And now you're in a space where you can teach others in breath work. And that's another thing that I'm like so excited to do with you one of these days and we can find a few minutes, but this is something that I really wanted others to hear about you because it's so important. And I really want you to tell everybody what for you were things that worked and especially through breath work with calming anxiety. That's one that I really, you know, through my pregnancy, for example, and just through life, even before that, I've always had anxiety because I was constantly worrying about taking care of myself because I was this little girl, mom had to work. Right. Mm -hmm. So what were things that or what are things that you do now that you can maybe teach other people listening, especially this audience of what they can start doing now, even if they're thinking about becoming a mother, if they don't even, or if they don't want children, that's fine. But this is something that everybody can do is what you and I had talked about, but specifically for women who are going through anxiety during pregnancy. That's a big one. There's a lot of worry that comes with that. It's like, you almost want everything to be in alignment. That's why they call it nesting. You know, (laughs) you you start getting ready for this baby because you really want to be the best mother that you can be. So what are some things that you did and that you can teach us through, you know, some of your breath work and also some of your tools. If you suffer from anxiety, mood swings, PMS, a suppressed immune system, lack of sleep, inflammation, and so much more. I absolutely have found an incredible CBD line called Soul CBD. I love this so much because as an entrepreneur, I am switching gears constantly. And I love Soul CBD because of what it's done for my anxiety. As you guys know, 
I have suffered from anxiety since I was a child. And I will tell you, this has been my absolute favorite product because the results are there. I love it. This is one of the best products out there. Soul CBD is a high quality CBD that comes in gummies, tinctures, creams, capsules, and bath bombs. I use this still to this day and it has completely changed my life for the better. Head over to mysoulcbd.com, enter in my code Tiffany at checkout to save you some money. If you have any questions, let me know. In the meantime, let's get back to the episode. So well, the most important thing uh, I want to start with is uh, from everything that I'm learning and everything that I've learned to help myself through this and uh, working with um, women, most of my clients uh, that I worked with do have anxiety, just like you said, most of the women do have anxiety, but we got to look at it more from that level. It's not just the worry that we have. And that's where breathing is super important. Um, to understand in correlation between breathing and anxiety, it will make sense here in the moment. Um, so our anxieties originates in our prefrontal cortex. That's our thinking, logical thinking, language center, all the rational thinking, all the learning, right? Or amygdala. Amygdala is a part of your brain that is responsible for activation of stress response of fight or flight. So whenever anxiety is first, we gotta know where anxiety is coming from. And what I'm learning is not every time you can actually calm anxiety by positive thinking and you know, just think a better thought and just let's just, you know, think positive, be positive. No, because if it's originated in your prefrontal cortex, sure, you can uh, to repetition, to affirmations, you can definitely rewire that. You can set yourself off for a good day after having that uh, anxiety originated in your prefrontal cortex, right? But how do we know where it comes from, either amygdala or prefrontal cortex, is if that is not working? Let's say you're feeling stressed right now and it makes no sense and you're just like, oh my God, I'm pregnant and everything is great. I don't understand where, where it comes from. I feel so anxious, but everything is fine. I have this amazing partner. My pregnancy is healthy. I'm healthy. What the hell is happening? Why am I so anxious? So that's where most likely there's amygdala is being activated. And the only way, I mean, one of the simplest, not the only way, I shouldn't say the only way, but one of the most helpful, most accessible, because it's right there with you. We breathe 20 to 25,000 times a day. Even when there's no one around you, when there's no one there, that is an amazing tool that you can regulate your physiology to help your amygdala to calm down. And that's done via deep breathing, deep uh, belly breathing. Why? Because now it brings me to a topic of uh, diaphragmatic breathing uh, that I think a lot of your uh, listeners will benefit from. And if there was only one thing they could learn and take away from this, I would love for it to be this tool that I'm about to share and the importance of um, diaphragm in our breathing. So what is diaphragm? Diaphragm is a main respiratory muscle that sits underneath your lungs and it pulls your lungs open so we can take those deep breaths in. And the moment we are stressed, 
diaphragm shuts down, especially when you, let's say in your case, you are pregnant, it restricts because the uterus grows and it starts pushing on that diaphragm. So it uh, restricts the full function of a diaphragm, right? The importance of uh, diaphragm in the breathing is that uh, it regulates so many functions like um, delivery of nutrients throughout our body, even if you're not pregnant. If we're talking health, if we are talking any, any health on any level, we must talk breathing because 70% of the toxins are removed through breathing. And if, we, if our diaphragm is not functioning, which most of us, I'm getting to this point that most of us are chest breathers because we learn it from our parents. We learn it from modeling from our peers. We also live in the world now where we constantly bombarded with data, with texts, with, um, we just live in a different world now when before we could only worry about our survival. Now we don't have to worry about survival, but we are in constant stress, right? So if we're not aware of how we're breathing, most of us are chest breathers. And if we're chest breathers, we're only using, we're not using our diaphragm, right? So it's either you're a chest breather or you're belly, or you are breathing to, through your diaphragm. And the more you breathe through your chest, the more patterns it reinforces uh, of chest breathing. So in, um, I don't know, is it making sense at, by this point? No, yes, it is. <laughs> I'm just so drawn in right now. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I want to share a little bit of the science, what it does and why it's important, and then share a tool so it makes sense for everybody. Because if, if I just say, hey, we just got a diaphragmatic breathe, why? You know, why? <laughs> yeah. I was just a chest breather all my life. So the thing is, it brings us to our regulation, right? If we are breathing from our chest, that is responsible for, it's linked to activating sympathetic nervous system, which is fight or flight, which is if we are, if we don't know how to access that deep belly breath, we cannot regulate that stress response that is happening in our body. We start experiencing those different hormones, those different toxins are uh, flooding through our body. The moment, our diaphragm kicks in, we go, we shift, our body shift, shifts gears into parasympathetic nervous system, which is rest and digest. Our body cannot be in both at the same time. That's why it's crucial to learn how do you shift whenever you find yourself in that state where you can't, when you feel flooded or you feel emotional, First, it takes awareness. Okay, what's happening? What mostly will happen if everybody listening right now will take a deep breath in, mostly what would happen if you guys are taking deep breath alone with us, you, you, if you want to do it, you can do it with me too. If uh, we will take deep breath in, mostly. Do it. Let's do it. Yeah, let, let's do it. <laughs> so just close your eyes and start taking deep breath in. And I see what's moving. And for everybody listening who is doing it with us, let's see what, what part of your body is moving. What part of your body do you notice moving? I think my belly right now, because you just taught me. <laughs> I'm more right. aware now, but if I were, let's just say not listening to you, it mm -hmm. would more chest, shoulders, and neck. And that's where I hold my stress and also 
what I'm learning is that's also where my anxiety comes from because it's all fast pattern in my chest. And I right. take more time in my belly. If I were to inhale mm-hmm. properly, it, it calms me down a little bit more. So that's what I'm currently experiencing just through my breathing right now. Right, right. And most of us are uh, chest breathers. So it's there's no shame in it. When I first started doing it, when I first did that test, I was like, I'm gonna, I read about it. And I'm like, let me do this. And I'm gonna be a belly breather now. No, you know, I tried it and I was like, okay, well, I feel my shoulders rising. I feel my chest rising, which when you are taking diaphragmatic breath, none of that will be moving. Your belly will be coming in and out. And also all this culture of sucking in, especially let's address if we're, I'm sure you have a lot of fitness community listening, all that sucking in, all those, you know, whenever we go to the gym, it's not sexy to just have your belly moving in and out, right? Let's, yeah. let's just be honest. Too. Yeah. We don't see that. Usually just like everybody's walking in their little sports bra and like sucking it in, which- And waist trainers. And especially, <laughs> yes, I don't even go your there. Breath. <laughs> what constricting your breath if you think about it now that you're telling me you're constricting that oxygen that you're you're supposed to be enabling those core muscles to strengthen them and we're restricting them by wearing a core trainer Absolutely. I mean don't get me wrong I might wear a core trainer to get my belly back in place if I have to for a few actually weeks. maybe maybe not I'll tell you why oh tell me tell me yeah and here's everybody. because it actually what it does Um, it doesn't allow your inner core, there's three inner core muscles, your diaphragm, your uh, pelvic floor, and your TVA. So it's like a cylinder. If we were to imagine, imagine just a cylinder, the diaphragm on top, the bottom is pelvic floor, and around is your transverse abdominals. So what it does, all those three core muscles, whenever you take an inhale, your diaphragm will go down, your pelvic floor goes down. And then when you exhale, your pelvic floor comes up. And then it, that's a normal function. When, let's say when you're pregnant, this, your diaphragm, if, you, if your diaphragm is not strong, if you're not accessing it regularly, it starts functioning at less and less capacity. Plus the belly is growing, the baby's growing. Uh, so it needs to create more room. So the movement becomes restricted. So it's more paramount for pregnant women to, uh, to practice diaphragmatic breathing because then your pelvic floor, because those three work in unison, you can't remove. If one third of your inner core is not functioning properly, you can't have strong inner core. You can't even access those muscles properly because they're equally as important. They're like one third, you know, it's not just like, 2%. And if that's not there, it's not going to bother us. So what that, uh, what those tight band, band-aids and waist trainers and what that does, especially if we are talking about postpartum, what that does, it restricts all the movement and all those inner core muscles cannot even, especially that after giving birth, you would need to reconnect with your pelvic floor. You would need to reconnect with your TVAs and all it's done, not through crunches. It's not done through uh, sit-ups. It's not done through all the traditional fun ab exercises, which is the outer la- layer of our core. It's done through breathing. And that's why breathing can take care of so many things on so many levels, because not only it takes care of how we look on outside, right? Like the core, the most important part of our body that is stabilizing 
their, of our body. Uh, but what it also does, it delivers oxygen and removes toxins and metabolic waste. All that, all those metabolic processes that happen in our body, 70% of toxins are removed through breathing. So if we are talking about health, it only makes sense to get more access to that diaphragmatic breathing, um, learn how to access it at any time we need it. Ideally, we wanna breathe uh, that way as much as possible, but of course there's gonna be um, stressors in our life, like we're driving and our adrenals are gonna kick in because we are trying to avoid the car crash or something. So those are totally normal processes and responses our body has, but we, we just gotta, help our body to get back into that parasympathetic state, which is rest and digest as often as possible. If we're talking anything healthy, if we're talking anything regulation, self-regulation, uh, because again, if we are experiencing that anxiety, if we're experiencing those deep emotions, if we are not able to, if our body is experiencing this stress response and here's, this amazing tool that is always there for us when nobody is, let's say we're a mom and we're just holding a newborn and now you're just having this wave of emotions and your newborn is crying and there's nobody to help you, um, which let's, let's be honest, how many moms have been there, right? It's just normal mom life that uh, we all deal with at some point after becoming a mother, that that is just an amazing tool that is always there for us to regulate ourselves. Also, it goes beyond that when baby gets older and starts throwing tantrums, and then you're able to take that pause and deep breath in because your reaction when they, they throw in a tantrum is not even a tantrum, it's just they're having their big feelings. And if we are not able to regulate our big feelings, how are we gonna help that little human that relies on us and learns from us how to regulate those big deep feelings are we going to shut him down are we going to yell are we going to just say oh no but you find you find don't cry because we're so uncomfortable in our bodies with how those deep emotions feel or we have a choice we can always take that deep breath in not one <laughs> it will take a few while holding that baby and say, hey, it's okay, you're just having those big feelings right now and I'm here for you, I'm not leaving. And just that from my experience helps me so much with uh, days with my toddler. So it kind of like we started here with the fitness and moms and it goes into a toddlerhood. I just believe in the power of breath. I, I believe in um, that that's gonna be our future that everybody will be hearing from. Um, in the next couple of years or maybe in 10 years because it's something that we have no choice but learn how to access that because we as human species are just bombarded with stressors every day and now with this corona situation going on and constant news and constant stressors about our health um, we gotta take it in our own hands and help our, ourselves the best way we can I and one that. of those things is that uh, learning how to breathe because we can survive without water. We can, for so many days, we can survive without food for about 30 days, but we 
can survive without oxygen for about four to six minutes, right? Yep. Different sources say different things. So. so as far as let's, can you guide us through like a quick diaphragm breathing exercise that way, you know, maybe we can do this all together. So now we can put what you've just told us into play. Would you be able to do that? Absolutely. I would just suggest if, uh, uh, for anyone listening, if there is a possibility, if you're not driving, <laughs> uh, to lay down because most of us are able to access it faster when we're laying down on our back with our knees bent because of the gravity, we're not fighting gravity. Like right now you and I are sitting and we are still fighting gravity, right? Um, but if we're laying down, there is not much for us to do and we are able to access that breathing, uh, laying down better. So, what, uh, but if you are sitting down, um, I would just suggest put your hands on your belly, close your eyes, hug your baby <laughs> if you are pregnant right now. And take that deep breath in through your nose and fill that belly with that air and exhale and watch that belly come in on exhale. And on inhale, you should feel that belly touching your hands and expanding. And on exhale, your hands will come in. And on inhale, your chest will jump in but at the end of your at the end of your breath, and also my personal favorite tip here for self regulation, and also for working that deep inner core muscles, is focusing on your exhales. So making your exhales longer than your inhales. Let's say you inhale for four and exhale for at least six, if you can, eight, and long, deep exhale through your nose too. And once you get into that rhythm, you'll be able to make those exhales even longer. You can even make your inhale three counts and exhale eight. And notice how your body feels, because when we take an inhale, inhales, are linked to our sympathetic nervous system. So if we take too many inhales and not long enough exhales and fewer exhales that are not long enough or that are shorter than our inhales, we are again activating our stress fight or flight nervous system. And when we focus on that exhale, when we try to make it longer, I'm sure you even feel more relaxed. Like just check, check in with yourself how much more present you feel when you are taking that exhale. And you will notice that anytime you have an anxiety, check in with your breath. What I notice is that when I feel those emotions, or when I feel that anxiety kicking in, I notice that my exhales become really short. And then it takes me a few inhales and long exhales to get them going. And then you just start feeling totally different way because your exhales are correlated with your um, rest and digest and your parasympathetic nervous system. So that's one of my favorite tips for any, anyone, any, I don't even care if you're a girl or guy listening to this, 
um, anybody can benefit from that because we all breathe. We all have this inner core muscles and we all have that diaphragm that is a primary respiratory muscle. I feel amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I Ooh, love that. You did so good. I was watching you. You were just like taking it well, in. Yeah. Well, I was, you were, you, I know that you were speaking, but you, you were still guiding and that's really important. How long would you say to practice that? Like for someone that's busy a minute, is it 30 seconds Do 10 repetitions of four in six out? Sure. Uh, what it, uh, usually, usually what I say, use it as needed, right? Because we have those situations that are personal to our personal lives. Yeah. Uh, use it as needed as much as you can, not as much as you want, but as much as you can. Remember, you're walking around, try to, once you get the hand of it laying down, then you can start progressing to sitting, then walking, then standing, then even exercising, right? Um, mm -hmm. And one of my uh, things that I do with all my clients, especially moms, is that I suggest five minutes in the morning and five minutes before you go to bed. Just because in the morning when we get up, the cortisol is really high to wake us up. Okay. And that's usually when a lot of people have that anxiety, right? So before you even get up from bed, and also if five minutes is a stretch for you as a new mom or as a busy person, if you don't have those five minutes, just do a minute, just start with five or 10. But then what happens is when you actually get a hand of how it feels in your body, you actually want to do it more and more. So it's not just something, it's not just like an exercise that is draining. It's actually exercise that is making you feel good and more regulated. Mm. So uh, first thing, first thing in the morning, five minutes in the morning before you get out of bed, focus on those long exhales. And um, before you go to bed, I find a lot of uh, clients of mine that have trouble sleeping, that have trouble waking up all night and uh, not being able to fall asleep. When they focus on their breath, it helps them go back to sleep better. You guys, this is for everybody. <laughs> this yes, is for everybody. Uh, especially during pregnancy, though, it's really great. Postpartum, it sounds like it, you know, really help tighten up those core muscles as well, really training those to come back into place. So I really, really love that. Now, where can everybody find you? Because this is so valuable. This is gold. And if you heard her story, everyone, she has gone through it to teach all of you guys how she's overcome and conquered in a very simple, easy, effective way. This woman is incredible. So where can everybody find yeah. you? I am uh, on Facebook. I'm on Instagram the most. If you want to connect with me through there, it's Ilona Love, I-L-O-N-A-L-U-F-F. -F. And um, yeah, I would love to help as many women as I can with that. So it's been yeah. a pleasure. Thank it's you so much for having me here. Absolute pleasure. And thank you so much for being on. I know there's going to be so much feedback and value provided into so many. So thanks for being on. And I'm really looking forward to your next endeavors because I know this is just the beginning for you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Again, this this woman, Miss Alana Love, thank you so much for your time today. And everyone, thank you for turning in. This is Tiff Talks and we are out.